I want us to become brothers again like we used to be, and for us to find ourselves and bond with each other. Can we agree to that? Opinions vary. Welcome to a bonus episode of Three Brothers Filmcast. Our conversations over the past month have got me thinking about the trends in filmmaking in cinema this past year, 2023. And I want to put forward these three trends to see what you guys think. So first, streaming seems to have short-circuited many of the previous ways that we gauge success and failure in film. And I take something like Rebel Moon, where I'm not even sure whether a film like this is a success or a failure by the new terms of how uh, movies are made and released. So it's almost like we're, we're inhabiting a whole new uh, framework for production and consumption, and it's hard to gauge how things are received. That leads into, on, in terms of uh, theatrical film going, I feel like Barbie and Oppenheimer have kind of exploded the dominance of the franchise model. I'm not saying the franchise model is done, but the franchise model's dominance of theatrical movie going, mostly emblematized by Marvel, seems to be shown that it's like that's no longer the case. You can do a movie that's not part of a franchise if you market it heavily enough. It can have related IP and perhaps you need like a, a certain director's brand attached, but you can have two giant films that are not parts of franchises. And that seemed like something, you know, three years ago, I didn't know was possible. And then thirdly, somewhat related to the previous two, I'm kind of lamenting and not understanding that I feel like we're at a point where I don't, I don't know if you want to call it prestige or artistic or sort of uh, festival type movies, but we're at the largest point of detachment of that world of cinema from sort of like normal cinema and movie watching and content consumption that I can like think of in my life where, where movies that are sort of like partly because it's like a movie gets a buzz six months previously. And then at some point it comes out, we've lost sort of the slow build, unless you're living in New York city or LA, we've lost like a slow build in certain, you know, theaters to bring things out. And it's just, it's gone to a point where you're like, um, the big things in on like sort of like, you know, film, letterbox, a lot of them don't have any impact on uh, on regular cinema going to a larger extent than I feel like I, I just for a lot of my life, you know, some of those movies would break through and I, I feel like there's a weird disconnection. So overall, I see this sort of strange turbulence and things have shifted. We're out of the pandemic era. We're into this new era. I don't know. What do you think about those thoughts? I think you're right about the streaming thing and how it's hard to gauge success. And I think that that also ties into your, your last point about the disconnect between uh, certain films getting the release and uh, sort of picking up word of mouth and stuff like that. Um, but some of that has to do simply with the, the model, the, the profit model yeah. that streaming companies like Netflix follow. Like Netflix doesn't have, we don't know how much like, profit netflix really makes all netflix has to do is show that increase in subscriber uh numbers and their uh and then trying to drive their stock price up yeah disrupting the system the way uber did whereas paramount and warner brothers still have to show their shareholders that they turned a profit at the end of the year right like when clearly netflix is not doing well hence their attempts to crack down on things like account sharing um and their uh 
uh, raising of the prices constantly. They're trying, you know, essentially they're trying to capture a certain uh, an audience and then leave them no alternatives <laughs> in a sense, yeah. right? Uh, they've tried to sort of portray themselves as the savior by like in the past funding films by people like Scorsese and others, right? But um, I think their model is hugely disruptive to a healthy uh movie going climate i'm not saying that streaming as a mode of delivery that say would like uh be like similar to what dvds used to be isn't maybe a better way to think of it but it's something that actually there was an interesting piece of a few months ago by uh the freddie deboer who isn't always my favorite when he's writing on on culture and, and art and stuff but he had a really good point about how um streaming has conditioned us to and and it's starting with music back in the day conditioned us to to devalue art in a certain way right like what like netflix taught us that we should have unlimited amount of movies of every genre for 15 bucks a month or whatever right um and that was never the case before in the like dvd era or or even things like that right like but now that we've become accustomed to that like people balk at uh paying from paying more for movies and things like that right like some of us might be paying up to 50 bucks a month for various like streaming services and things. But like, if you're that heavy of a movie goer, did you spend $50 at Blockbuster or your local video store back in 2001 too? Possibly, you know? So like, it's just a matter of like, we sort of think that we should be able to get everything. Uh, and, and I think that's the other aspect of the disruptive thing. But the thing is once, when you have everything available to you, there's, there was always this idea that people would want to seek out those hard to find movies. And, and there are movies that movies that were really hard to find for much of my life that are now available either uh, for rental on places like Amazon Prime and stuff or um, on streaming services like Criterion or Canopy or other yeah. streaming services that that serve those like harder to find films in part because they might be cheaper to license to stream and, and stuff like that. But the fact is that most people, I don't think, uh, when given everything, they don't necessarily, very few people are going to seek out difficult or more challenging works, is the impression I get. Most people are just going to binge watch uh, their favorite series and, and watch uh, black, blockbusters. And, and I mean, I'm guilty of that sometimes yeah. too. But it's it just, like it's, Netflix it just is what it is, right? Yeah. It's not like there's obviously flaws with previous systems but it's like mm-hmm. netflix has moved to just needing content and rather than necessarily turning a profit in that traditional sense is a different it, it, it reshapes how we can produce and consume i don't know aaron what do you what do you think yeah um is marvel dead i don't think marvel's dead because gardens of galaxy still made a lot of money yeah you're right guardians is the one that kind of saved their year the third, right the fourth highest grossing year fourth third with spider-man um oh good the no it's it's but i think there's something there because marvel understood i think marvel started to understand that they put too much of their eggs in the streaming basket and they treated it's the content trap right where they started they treated all types of audiovisual entertainment as one type and it's like no a tv show is not the same as a movie and you can't expect somebody to watch a tv show to see your movie to make for yeah. it to make sense that's why marvel's like bombed and then you get stupid people being like, well, sex isn't it. It's like, no, no, no. Captain Marvel made a billion dollars. Captain yeah. Marvel made so much money. 
people are very excited for this female led action movie, uh, superhero movie led by a uh, Oscar winner. That was not a problem. The problem is that nobody understood this movie because you had to watch multiple series to understand what's going on in this. So it's like, wait, I've seen all the Marvel movies. And it's like, well, did but did you also subscribe to Disney Plus and watch those five zeros? And it's like, wait, what? I mean, I've I've already watched the twenty movies. Why can't well, you mean I can't? No, you have to watch the other shows too. It's like, when is enough? Yeah, so <laughs> like, these these aren't comics. You can't expect the die only diehards. These are mass market and properties, and I think they're starting yeah. to fail as mass market properties at this moment because they've they've. Gone green. And and as they've like, you know, now we're Guardians Three and then as they've exhausted they've started to exhaust all of the anything related to sort of the, the initial what all the way up to endgame, right? Yeah, the and then any any of the, the the tail end of that they're starting to exhaust. It's like I'm not sure how they're gonna create sort of the the feeling that you need to go see like this movie. No, absolutely. And I think I mean, the streaming thing plays into it because the streaming thing muddies the waters of whether it's a hit. I was thinking about Leave the World Behind, which I watched, Anton, uh, on your recommendation. I thought it was like, I like Mr. Robot a lot. It's it's a show I think is pretty fascinating and very entertaining. And so I was curious about watching that movie. And the movie does have many of the hallmarks of, I think, a movie that kind of is suited for streaming because it's it's got these big stars. It's this very, like, intriguing concept and it's the kind of thing if you watch 20 minutes you're like ah, i'm kind of curious where this is going like you know it, it absorbs mm-hmm. you in a way that you if you watch it on a thursday night you're probably going to be like no i'm actually hooked on this and the low barrier to access is is a positive in the fact that you're going to engage with it yeah but i question what it's like is this movie a success i have no idea yeah because it was on the top 10 for, for you know several weeks but it's like what does that actually mean netflix controls those stats we don't know anything about it um is this a movie that shows up in the discourse well then you're on your third point where it's like the discourse is kind of detached from what people actually watch you know it's the whole yeah. like tv thing where like the top 100 tv shows of the year 80 of them are nfl games and the other 20 are yellowstone episodes and like NCIS. <laughs> the, the, the Yellowstone universe. <laughs> yeah. No, but so it's like people are not the people that are the task, uh, the taste ma- mass, like in charge of what our cultural attitudes are and, and taste and this, that, and the other aren't the ones who are engaging with the mass properties. I'm not saying people should because, you know, yeah. in the in the 80s or 90s, like people were watching just like crap sitcoms and yep. those yep. had 40 million people watching them. So it doesn't mean it's actually good and you know might be sacrilege but like something like friends is not actually a significant cultural property it's just a popular one that's lasted yep. a long time it's not seinfeld it's not the simpsons it doesn't actually have any um joke structure or like um kind of approach to storytelling of that level that actually is influential or definitive in any aspect it's simply like attractive appealing actors just hanging out and people like that cozy feeling to it right Mm -hmm. um and but the the friends was a huge hit right but it's like could you have a friends in a streaming world probably not (laughs) yeah um and like it's you know what makes me worried is that to to go back to that like thing about like the also the economics of streaming means that they they constantly need new stuff 
to put on, yep. whether it's buying up old properties like friends or uh, producing new content. Um, like Rebel Moon. Yeah. The yeah, so Rebel Moon's necessary but, just to put out as right. Zack Snyder's doing a but movie. But in terms for us. of like that idea of that a certain you know, and we and we can say I'm glad that Netflix is funding certain filmmakers to to make certain things. But the concern is because of the churn of content, I think there's actually even good stuff that gets buried in yeah. Netflix uh, that nobody knows about and nobody watches well, you that can't... would have in a different era had maybe that festival uh you know, debut and then built a little bit of word of mouth. Aaron, I'm thinking of a movie from a couple of years ago that you, both you and I really, really liked is I'm, uh, I'm thinking of ending things. Charlie Kaufman. Yeah. Like that movie is a real, that's a really good movie. I'm glad that Netflix <laughs> got it made, but it was completely buried. Like I talked to a friend who is a big Charlie Kaufman fan and did not know that it existed. And that's yeah, partly that because possible? of the, the structure of also how you access streaming. Most of these don't yeah. have like a clear, like just sort of new release, that sort of thing. It's always, Right. Like the yeah. different threads are tailored to what they're trying to think that you'd want. But but that's also the thing is like it's not Aaron, you're right. There's always been this detachment between like, you know, sort of um, whatever you want to call it. But the artistic, the the cultural tastemakers, et cetera, and then sort of like the mainstream. And that's not so much the thing. It's just that it's like it's harder to see how how things can infiltrate from one to the other. So yeah, exactly without like the, the, the previous sort of like, well, you'll have a festival in the fall and then you'll build word of mouth. And then that will mean that you'll go from a limited release where you get good reviews slowly. Like now, even you're even getting, I get all the reviews like a month before anything's even close to being watchable. They also, there's no set. There's no such thing as like bad reviews for movies anymore. It's, it's gone the sure. way of uh TV where, the vast majority it's the like positivity creep where everything is like bell curve is moving further to the right. <laughs> um, not saying people should be overly harsh on stuff, but like, it's just be accurate, like, or not even accurate, just be consistent. Like the vast majority of movies are not amazing. They're most, most movies are fine. <laughs> like They're not bad. They're not good. They're just fine. Like, and when you go to, Rotten Tomatoes or something and you see like most movies get like a 75% fresh and you're like that's absurd <laughs> that's silly yeah it's obviously not the case but it it's partially out of the fact that um you know critics nowadays aren't really critics they're entertainment writers um they're fans they're people who want the the opportunity to get an interview with uh, Julie Roberts is as important as reviewing the movie she stars in, right? So it's it's playing that game, and I understand it. it's a different media landscape. There's a different career landscape. People don't make mo- money writing reviews. Uh, it's not a thing unless you're one of the major newspapers that still exist. Yeah, handful of people but, out there who do that. But it's just um, it's it's getting to that point where it's very difficult to like gauge what is success whether it's critically whether it's commercially and even on a commercial level where it's like where you you know the studio is like we need to make 900 million dollars for this to be a success it's like yeah that's absurd like you didn't spend 900 million dollars like what are you talking about it's like well we need to blah 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 blah. you just trust us we need that much it's like oh okay (laughs) like none of it is clear none of it's transparent it's it's all very silly, um, but it is a changing landscape. And and even movies like 
Killers of the Flower Moon and stuff like there's inter- it's a it's one of those movies that you would only get in the streaming era, right? Yep. It would have never been made in the past. And there's or at least as- the way the way it's the way it was made. But and there's aspects that are good because it allows a level of like creative freedom and like and the decision making behind um, the way to tell the story, the length of the story, the certain like viewpoint on it. But then there's like other things where it's just like, do even great directors need a little bit of a um, fire under them as being like, this has to be a hit for it to justify itself. And it's a thing that Akira Kurosawa always talked about where people would be like, Oh, you know, all these great American directors would come up to them and be like, I love this movie. I love that movie. And he's like, you loved it. It was a failure. It made no money. Nobody saw it. And they'd be like, no, but it's a great artistic achievement. And he's like, I don't think you understand. It's like movie making is a business. <laughs> like I have to justify my ability to make another movie. Like why would somebody just give me money to make a movie? That's absurd. I have to justify it. You know who does understand that? James Cameron. <laughs> yeah, Cameron does. No, but like I love Scorsese. I love Spielberg. I love these guys. But even in this modern day, there is that kind of question of being like, actually, you're not just kind of, you don't just deserve to make any movie you want. Like you have to justify yeah. it. <laughs> I, I think the past, like, I don't know, three, what year was West Side Story? 2021. 20, two years ago. 2021? Yeah. December. Yeah, yeah. So, okay. So I feel like, you know, the past two, three years, a lot of my favorite directors now have entered sort of like they're in their late stage. But like, I I really feel that like Spielberg, Scorsese, they've sort of they're not on touch with like the moment anymore. And I can like I can just feel it like, you know, I, I like Killers of the Flower Moon. I don't love it. But you're like, this is not this movie's like not in in sync with sort of like. Our, our time anymore it's not it, i'm not saying it's a movie made for the past if anything both the the latest spielberg and scorsese actually feel a little bit awkward because it's like someone who's older trying to make something that they think will hit sort of the way things are today and you're like so like now it's you know i again to give credit to nolan but you're just like oppenheimer to me is just an example of like nolan right now is in total command of like how to deliver to uh, the audiences right now. And yeah. Like, it's not to say like, I still love those directors, but they're not yeah, on that. Absolutely. But he's anymore. the only director. Maybe Villeneuve is getting there. Yeah. We'll see. I mean, I, we'll see what Dune, Dune part two is. No, but Nolan be a big test of is uh, for my ability. students in, at university in film class. Nolan is what 20 years ago, Steven Spielberg. Yeah. yeah. And Tarantino is the name other. they go to. Yeah. yeah. Tarantino's the new Scorsese. If, that, if, like, if Tarantino ever makes for that movie. Oh, he's good. Yeah. No, he does. I would say those are, those are probably good comps. Nolan is Spielberg and Tarantino is Scorsese. No, but it, and the, but in, in terms of commercial appeal, people need to understand, like it, people need to shift um, their criteria or their like way of understanding. What is the director that is synonymous with, commercial success it's not spielberg anymore it's james cameron like if you're going to talk about the guy who's just like guaranteed to make a hit it's james cameron uh, he's never missed <laughs> yeah, right ever ever and and he is a guy who still is in touch with what audiences want <laughs> despite claims that he doesn't yeah exactly despite he, protestation no no but the difference in a gnashing of teeth he actually 
isn't trying to chase what no, he's not. <laughs> he knows what you want deep down. No, no, no. He knows what you <laughs> need. Dream. He knows what, what you, you need. need. Exactly. Like, no, like, I'm there is a the, the bloodbuster like, that you need. No, yeah. Yeah. <laughs> he's going to heal the world. No, but like, he's not time. pandering. He's just like, I'm going to just make it so good that you will like it and you will, you know. I was explaining to students today, like, you know, go back and like watch Titanic. I said, if you've never seen it, you need to go watch this movie and understand how you can make a film that is a very traditional cliche genre piece and also keep someone's attention 100% and emotionally engage them fully because not everything has to be, uh, you know, subverting and doing crazy things to to work in that level but it's it is it's you have to have an intense amount of confidence to do that absolutely um and it's a shifting world like it's just it's a shifting cinematic landscape new things will present themselves in coming years but i think we're in that like transitional phase where um a new rule hasn't really presented itself and i think people are looking at barbie and oppenheimer and they're like this is a potential way forward, but I don't think we can guarantee that that is the way forward. No, they would require, like, I think those movies, like, so individual director brand is, is key. And then also like, like Barbie hit on something. Yes. But Barbie also, but I don't think you can just go make another toy movie. It's not going to no, no, work. No, 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 no. Those actors. It's, it's and the combination of like the combination of pop culture novelty and, and, and sort of political stuff. All that sort of stuff was reading the moment. Well, but the thing about Barbie that is probably understated is just that Barbie, it was also a product of marketing. Mm-hmm. Like Barbie would not be successful if the people who marketed it hadn't, they super saturated it. I hadn't seen a movie where um, there, there wasn't a movie in years where every single kind of like mainstream publication or news show or magazine or whatever had like a Barbie thing. Like that saturation, it's, you know, it's basically like, it was like the, 90s, almost yeah. like Force Awakens was the last time I there was yeah. like something yeah, yeah. where it's just like everywhere. So you know, in the amount of again, like the amount of money, like I Barbie obviously made a profit, but you're like it's very unclear how much they spent to make Barbie. Yeah. The other thing I'm curious about Barbie is does it show that there's still a space for like actors that people like? Because yeah. I think that. I don't think that film also hits without Margot Robbie and Ryan Gosling somehow in those, those roles. I mean, maybe you could have other actors, but like the actors that you chose were really important yes. there because unlike other like superheroes or, uh, you know, even characters in, in, in uh, those kind of franchises, um, like Ken, Ken and Barbie are kind of blank slates, right? Like literally they're toys that kids project their like imagination. Onto, so you really need- <laughs> they're smooth. Right. <laughs> Yeah, yeah. So you needed to have actors who could um, capture people's like attention and imagination. You needed intensely like classic movie stars, intensely beautiful people who also can do acting and personality and they're funny. in those roles. Yeah, that's what I mean. Like they have personality. They're they're and well managed. Also, stars through yeah. the the mm-hmm. media networks building up. Exactly. Yeah, I mean, so I don't know. Maybe we'll have a return of stars. Yeah, but like, there's the interesting question: is like, is the Barbie Oppenheimer thing, a potential return to a more classic Hollywood idea of where you have a, you have your like auto director who has his way, he does his weighty themes about pertinent topics to the day of Oppenheimer. And then you have your like 
you know, charismatic, beautiful movie stars with a pop confection. (laughs) That's your other hit, right? (laughs) And that is the way it used to be. Um, And however much, you know, I like, I think Barbie's fine. I don't love it or anything. I don't hate it either. And it, but it's one of those movies where it's like, I'd be very happy if we got more Barbies than more movies like that. Not saying more movies about toys, but movies that approach entertainment like Barbie did than more movies trying to be the next Marvel or trying to be the next star Wars or whatnot. (laughs) It might be a possible way forward, but we all know Dune, Dune two, it all rests on Dune (laughs) two. He who controls the spice controls the universe. Thanks for listening. and We'll catch you next time. Goodbye, Mr. Bond. I bid you farewell. <laughs>